Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about servicing. This is number three out of four of our Back to Basics series. And one of the biggest things, or the most common questions that especially first-time investors ask about is servicing. How much income do I need to be able to go out and purchase rental properties? Now, there are two parts of getting a mortgage. You've got to have the equity, you've got to have the deposit, but most importantly, you need the income because a bank is never going to give you a mortgage if they don't think you're going to be able to pay it back. Yeah, there's a few other things in there as well, like character and things like that. But those are the two main ones. If you can't pass those tests, you're not getting a mortgage. Account contact, all of those main things. But today for the Back to Basics series, I want to talk about servicing because we get so many questions about this. And the thing is, it's actually quite tough to figure out because it's different depending on your personal situation. Look, if you've got five kids, you're going to need more income in order to be able to go and purchase a rental property, and a 600 And a couple of iPads. <laughs> Six, you know, let's say you want to buy a 600K property, you're going to need more income with five kids than somebody with no kids because it costs more to run your household. Similarly, if you've got a million dollar mortgage, you're going to need more income than somebody who's got a 200K mortgage because you need more income to be able to pay that million dollar mortgage and then pay for your investment property on top of that. But having said that, we are going to give you some basic formulas for this today. And we have built what I believe to be one of the most sophisticated calculators for actually figuring this out, which we're going to link to in the show notes and talk a little bit more about. Now, Andrew, walk us through probably what I would argue to be the most important concept when talking about servicing. This is what we call UMI. So if you ever hear Ed and I talking about our UMI, we're not talking about a disease we picked up overseas. We're talking about- The size of our waistlines. (laughs) We're talking about uncommitted monthly income. So what that is, is currently after- all of your expenses and financial commitments, what's left of your actual pay? And then after that, what's going to be left once you've got your investment property? Different banks have different rules around how much you've got to have left over. ANZ, for example, you need to have at least $50 left over after you've met all of your commitments, including the new property. And this is under the test conditions that they have, such as taking off your KiwiSaver from your income, taking off your tax, factoring and lending at a servicing rate much higher than the actual rate, factoring in things like principal and interest payments on all debt, even if it's interest only, looking at credit card limits, all of those kind of things. The UMI, which again is the uncommitted monthly income, is the amount of money you're going to have left over after all of those costs. Now, what are some of those conditions? Well, firstly, the interest rate is probably one of the big ones. So any lending that you've got now, plus any lending that's proposed, they look at this based on what that we call a test interest rate. So again, different banks have different test interest rates and they change from time to time, but it could be around a 5 to 7% interest rate depending on the bank. So what that means is even if you're paying 2.5% and you're going to pay 2.19 for your new mortgage, The bank wants to know that you can afford it as if the rate was 7%. Other things are those principal and interest payments. So I mentioned before, they want to assume that all your lending is on principal and interest, even if you are paying interest only. So if you're applying for an investment property mortgage, you're going to take interest only. The bank wants to know that if you're paying principal and interest, your UMI is still acceptable. 
They look at your rental income and then they deduct to allow for expenses. So they deduct 25% if it's a new property and they deduct 35% if it's an existing property. Now that's with ANZ. Other banks haven't changed that yet, but that's coming. They assume that your credit card is maxed out. So if you've got a credit card with 20K limit, another one with 10K limit, and an Amex card, which can be quite an interesting one because sometimes they have no limits, they're going to put in a much higher amount because you could take all that money out and put it on black at any time. Then they look at the expenses that it would cost to run your household. So they have a minimum amount of expenses. So if you're really frugal like Ed and just go over to Andrew's house for dinner every night, then they're going to look at your expenses and say, well, $100 a month is probably not what it would cost a normal person. Let's not consider Ed normal. Let's uh, look at his expenses being $2,000 a month, for example. On the other side, if you are someone like me that eats out a bit more often than maybe Ed, then if you're spending $3,000 a month, but they've got expenses, minimum expenses of $2,000, they are going to go off the actual expenses. It's always the highest off. And if you want to dig into more of this, we have done episodes on every single one of these things so that you can go deeper. Now, if you want to check out those or find out which ones they are, check out our podcast catalogue. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. That is where you can literally search through any episode we've ever done and it links out to it. Now, one thing we have never shared on this podcast, though, is a simple formula for figuring out, well, if I know what my UMI is, if I know how much is left over, even under these test conditions, how much can I borrow? And look, under a couple of assumptions, which I'm going to give you, it's this. Take your UMI, minus 50, and multiply it by 285. So 285 is the magic number. Under this situation. Because what you've got to remember, there are five different factors which influence what you are able to actually purchase. So this is the instance of, let's say your new property has a 4.5% gross yield. That test interest rate we talked about is 5.8%. And importantly here, this is based on a 25-year principal and interest term because I'm assuming that you are going to be going on interest only. And of course, if you are going to have, say, a five-year interest only period, they want to know that once you come off that in this scenario, that you'd be able to pay off that mortgage over a 25-year term because that's what you've got left after those five years. Yeah, that's one of the really important things and one of the largest things that's changed around the assessment of interest-only lending over the last wee while. So the maximum amortisation term of a, of a loan is 30 years in New Zealand. Now, if you're older, that might also be reduced as well. So if you're coming up to retirement age and you're 60, you're applying for a 30-year loan, you might find that they might shorten it to say a 15 year loan or maybe even less than that and then whatever the maximum term is if you're applying for interest only that comes off the amortization period and then of course if it's 15 years minus three years interest only then you have to be able to service it on 12 years so something to bear in mind. So give us an example of this formula in practice Andrew. Right so let's say you've got an uncommitted monthly income of 150 then we say you need to deduct 50 because, again, there's that minimum threshold that you've got to meet. So that's working on the ANZs, which is what we use most commonly because they're the biggest bank in New Zealand. Then, of course, you've got $100 left over. Multiply that by 285, Ed's magic UMI number, and out the bottom comes 28500 
not a lot of an investment property you can buy there, but that's what the number is. No, but that's based on the fact that if you had, in this case, you know, $70 a week left over under these test conditions. And what you actually would need, the amount of UMI you'd need to purchase an investment property is about kind of $2,000 a month is that what that UMI has to be. Now, just to be clear, that doesn't mean that you have $2,000 a month sitting there in your bank account at the end of the month, but that's what you would need to demonstrate when you put together your mortgage application for the bank. And what you could be doing at the moment is you might be contributing to a managed fund of $500 a month. You might be spending a bit of extra money extra on your mortgage at the moment, so you can tinker around with these things, and you might be saving up for, I don't know, a wedding or something like that. So there might be some reasons why your outgoings are a little bit higher than they will be later on down the track. But like Ed says, you still have to demonstrate that you can afford to make these lifestyle adjustments to meet the lending criteria later. And for anybody who's new for the show, I'd recommend you go back and listen to episode 583. And we'll link this in the show notes if producer David kindly reminds me to link that in there, which goes through a full six strategies that you can use in order to increase your servicing. But it does start with understanding these basics of servicing. But look, that magic number, that 285, that I talked about before, also changes if you change up some of the assumptions. So let's now assume that you've got an 8% gross yielding property. So very, very high yielding. You're probably looking at something out on the West Coast that's incredibly cheap. <laughs> let's assume that it's not going to be a 5.8% interest rate. It's going to be a 7% interest rate. And because you're getting something so high yielding, you're probably also purchasing existing. So let's scale that income back by 35% rather than 25%. And let's say it's going to be principal and interest the whole time. In that case, the formula would be your UMI minus $50 multiplied not by 285, but by 431. Now, I don't say that so you go away and remember, oh yes, 431 and these certain things. I'm just trying to demonstrate that it is different because there are five different factors which aren't all linear. The formulas or formulae are actually very complicated and actually while I was figuring this all out on Saturday night while I was preparing for this podcast, it was probably about nine o'clock and I got a bit frustrated so I went on Fiverr which is like an international freelancing website and I fired off the formula to a mathematician on the other side of the world who came back with now, the formula. hang on a minute, let me get this straight. It was 9pm at night. Ed has all night Saturday night because he's got nothing better to do and rather than satisfy himself by satisfy himself on a Saturday night leave that in rather than actually do this himself he cheated the system and went to fiber. you really are becoming my protege well <laughs> actually I must admit in this instance how much did you pay oh it was $30 the thing is I fired off the formula to this guy 20 seconds later he replies no 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 uh, well it was actually very quick but as soon as he sent it off I was sitting there looked down at my sheet and I was like oh Ed it was so simple it was actually there in about two minutes I was like oh yeah I figured this out anyway doesn't matter because the good thing is that we no, have no this matters to me I will remember this the good thing here though is that we have built this calculator where you can put in a whole heap of different information about yourself it will tell you what your UMI is because that's the tough thing you know you've got to figure out well what is my UMI based on my three kids and my two cars and it's <laughs> me and you know Janie living together oh, what happened to Kelly <laughs> no 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 sorry I just made up a name <laughs> in that instance you know and I've got two 
rental properties and my mortgages. This, you know, it is different for each person because our situations are different. Do you know what? It's even different based on not on your household gross income, but who earns it. So let's say Andrew and I are now a couple and just pretend uh, uh, that for a second. Sorry, Kelly, you have lost in this episode. But let's just pretend. Let, and let's say that we both earned 70K each. So our household income is 140K. Now, our take-home income after tax would be higher than if I was a stay-at-home dad and (laughs) Andrew earned 140K. So our gross income is exactly the same. Us both earning 70K is the same as him earning, Andrew in this case, earning 140K. But because the tax rates are different, Andrew in that situation would be taking home less than if we separately earned 70k. Now, I know that's kind of a concept that- It's hard to get your head around. Mostly because I'd be a better stay-at-home dad than you. Absolutely (laughs) true. (laughs) But I think it is important, you know, you've got to apply it to your own situation. And I hate it when people say- things like that. Oh, it's different for every person because it makes me think, well, what is it different on? That's why we've had to build a calculator for you. But what I would definitely recommend, and this is going to be linked in the show notes, but what I need you to do when you're using this is do not put in overly rosy assumptions. No. Don't assume that you're going to get a 30-year P&I term or, say, a 29-year P&I term and you're going to have interest only for the first year and you're going to have a low interest rate and the income's going to be scaled up and the yield's going to be 10% and that you have no contingency for additional costs and you're just going to be living on the minimum bank cost because the calculator might tell you that oh, sweet, you can borrow $2 million, but go and put in an application at the bank and guarantee you're not going to get $2 million because it's based on very rosy assumptions. You've got to be quite realistic. So we feel like we've put some quite realistic assumptions in that calculator. You can change them because we've given you that ability. I would suggest that anybody who is a first time, it doesn't change those and just you know put your stuff in, see what it says, maybe look to change a few things. Yeah, what does it look like if you cancel your credit card? Yeah, what does it look like if you extend out your personal mortgage term? Those are all things you can work with a mortgage broker with. And we you know talked about those are the sorts of things that a mortgage broker would do in the previous episode in the second part of this four-part series. But go ahead, go use it. Hopefully this will give you a better understanding of your servicing position because this is seriously the question we're asked on Instagram all the time and you guys message in, you know, help me understand the servicing. It's the one thing that we can't really tell you straight away on an Instagram conversation or in an email exchange simply because it is different for each person. So tap or swipe over the cover art. There is going to be a link in there to that calculator that we've built for you. Make sure you tune in tomorrow as well because we're closing out this four-part series by talking about the step-by-step guide to buying a property. And I'm actually talking about the clauses that you're going to need in there, how to sign a contract, how it works when sending the money over to the person you're purchasing off. So make sure you tune in tomorrow when we close out this Back to Basics series. Links all down in the show notes. And of course, I do recommend checking out that podcast catalog. If you are new to the show and there is any specific thing you want to find out more about, check out the podcast catalog, search through the 669 episodes that we've got there because we probably have answered your questions. There are still questions and things to explore, but there is just so much content in there to check out. Thanks for 
listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emmett Knight. I'm Andrew Nichols. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.